Welcome back to the podcast. This episode is about another relationship, but a much deeper relationship. This is about Lori. So I was solo for a while and I really hated it. You know, I scanned around on the dating apps. I was hoping to find someone and there, there was just no one. Then I happened to reconnect on Facebook with a, a really old, really good friend and someone I'd loved since sixth grade, Lori. It's kind of a hard tale to tell. It's the second or third, depending on whether you count Sharon, um, heartbreak, part of the weight loss story. It's definitely not the biggest. Um, Dan will always have the biggest impact and biggest shock in my life. But Lori hurt, and it almost killed me. Um, just like Dan's loss almost killed me. Um, Lori's a beautiful woman. She's super smart. She has long curly red hair, which I just love. Uh, she has a smile that kills me. And her eyes, her eyes make me swoon. Um, I'll warn you now that even with everything that's going to transpire and, you know, what I'm going to tell you, I'm still in love and I have no idea why. And uh, you probably won't understand why either. So I was delicate. I was still kind of a mess when we started our long distance relationship. And I was drinking a bit. Um, kind of as I always had. Uh, we developed a passionate long-distance relationship. We spoke every night via Facebook Messenger uh, video chat. I needed this so badly. Someone who wanted me. I couldn't believe it. It made me somehow almost whole again. Someone wanted me. I don't know if I ever really had that in my life. And now I haven't had it since. I wrote and performed horribly cheesy songs on the guitar for her. <laughs> uh, I, she flew out to visit. We made love. It was wonderful. Um, I felt really complete. We decided then that we had to be together. I lived in Southern California, and she lived in Minnesota. So then my job went away. Thank God. In March of 2018 the CEO of Primo Water decided that we really didn't sync up. And he was probably right. I wasn't that into my job. After Dan had passed, I had trouble finding motivation. I was just punching the clock, and all my friends in the office knew it, and they cautioned me. But I, I didn't really care. I never understood the Primo culture. It was really strange. The CEO once told me I didn't visit North Carolina enough. I wasn't part of the team. But... They also didn't give me a travel budget. So what was he talking about? Was I supposed to start flying around the country on my own dime for the business? You know, how was I supposed to visit Winston-Salem with no money? So on a Friday, it was again the Friday the 13th, you know, Dan's passing was... At least at least I found out about it on Friday the 13th, the morning of. So on, on Friday, they... We parted ways. My office was already empty, kind of an anticipation. You know, I, I'd taken stuff home quite some time ago, pictures and such. So I had nothing to pack up. Um, I got a, a severance package. The head of HR asked me if I needed to come in on Saturday, the next day, to collect my things. And I said, nope, <laughs> what things? After some discussion about how great the bike paths were in greater Minneapolis area, amongst other things, uh, Lori and I decided that Minnesota was the best pay place for our love. Uh, so I rented my house out, and I moved. I put everything into a, a moving pod, packed up my Subaru Outback, gave away my kayak, 
and drove to Minneapolis. It was a huge life change for me. I drove across the country solo, talking to Google on my phone occasionally to learn, you know, details about landmarks and stuff I was passing. You know, like if you pass some rapids in Colorado and you want to know what they're called, just ask. Or name of a mountain you might be ascending, you know. I, I don't know if you'd ever be bored again driving in the car. I drove straight to Lori's office at U.S. Bank in Hopkins, Minnesota, and then we held each other in the parking lot. My new life had begun. We were in love. A big question was, how would I earn a living now, here that I was in Minnesota? whole new area for me. I hated the idea of entering the corporate world again. I really wanted something different. I had some money from the sale of our house in Newport Beach, California. If you want to make some money, go back in time, buy a house in Newport Beach in the early 2000s. The appreciation was significant. I started looking for an existing business to buy. I ran into a group of hair salons that were for sale. Um, Fantastic Sam's is a franchise. Seven salons were apparently on paper generating $220,000 a year in cash flow. Uh, the seller was a company called The Lord. Business Inc., uh, Phil and Tracy, husband and wife. They were Bible thumpers, uh, but known for treating their employees in a very non-Christian manner. There were a lot of examples, but one was like, when, when price changes were going to result in lower tips, Tracy told the employees, well, we'll pray for you. Uh, they contributed annually to a food charity. At one point, they decided that every employee would contribute 25 cents per paycheck to the fund. Maybe not a lot, but, you know, as they had 27 salons, it did add up. But they never asked permission for this. They just did it. I mean, that's not legal. Anyway, I looked closely at the salons and the numbers, and, in a, you know, obviously an accounting firm went through the financials as well. I didn't do it alone. I decided this could be my new career. You know, I'd make this operation amazing with my skills. I would increase that cash flow. And Amazon or AI, you know, never going to cut hair. It's a good industry to attack. People are making money around me. I can make this work. I I reviewed each of the salons and, you know, not to further disparage the current, well, the former owners, I knew that I could do better. Uh, In the marketing world, You have to have a lot of skills, marketing, advertising, of course, but you also need deep analytical skills. You need accounting skills. You need management skills. You need basic people skills. Um, You know, they had no people skills from what I could see. Uh, And the phrase, a penny wise and a pound foolish comes to mind. Everything about their operation was cheap. The point of sale computers were antiquated. There were little to no amenities for the stylist team. It's just, everything was just cheap. I bought the seven salons for an even $1 million. I put in 280000 The Small Business Administration gave me the rest through a local bank. Um, so I started my new journey. I founded a company called Eldancor. What does that name mean? The name is a combination of the names of my sons. Elliot and Dan. It was my way of keeping my two sons front and center as I pursued this new challenge. I created the tagline, People First. It meant that every decision I made would start with a consideration of the people in the company. How would it affect them? My goal was to always make the right decision for my teammates. 
I put the tagline on the company checks. I was proud that I was building a company that could always that would always try to do the right thing for all the people that were doing the work. I told everyone in the company that I worked for them. It was my job to ensure that they all had the best possible environment to perform their art. I created mission and vision statements for the company. Our mission is to create the best possible environment where stylists can thrive and grow their career. And then the vision. El Dancor's vision is to become the, become the destination for great stylists looking to advance their career while being part of the most fun and exciting and professional salon environment in Minnesota. Everything I had learned in my years of serving in the corporate world would help us succeed. I had enough talent to create graphics for ads and social media on my own. I didn't need to go outside and pay somebody. I knew how to manage money using financial instruments, you know, balance sheets, P&L statements, IRR models, all, all sorts of analytical tools. Excel is packed with them. Pivot tables. I knew how to develop a work culture uh, geared towards success. It was all about the culture. I, you know, it, when I was working with Glacier Water, which became Primo Water, I had to integrate with 400 plus field personnel um, and really develop a positive culture with the introduction of our, you know, our new machinery that, that we brought in. And, uh, you know, I really worked hard at that over, over a period of about seven years. And, and I, I really did succeed in creating a, a, a great relationship between, you know, what I was doing in terms of supporting that team. And, uh, and they all, they all felt it. I'd inherited two operations directors and seven salon managers. By law, every salon needed to have a licensed manager. The guy I bought the salons from, Phil, told me that I didn't need two directors and probably could not afford both, even though both had to schedule time behind the chair doing hair to cover most of their salary, you know, which takes away from their ability to manage. That was how they had it set up. Tammy managed the North Salons of Invergrove Heights, the two in Egan, and one in Burnsville, Minnesota. Bobby managed the South Salons of Faribault, Northfield, and Rosemount. Phil said that I should have one of the salon managers step down and put Bobby in as manager at that salon. I won't say which manager. You know, why make her feel bad? I decided to keep everything 100% the same as I evaluated the company and how it worked. It was generating $220,000 a year in cash annually. Don't fix what ain't broken, right? So how did I get here? You know, it had all made sense in the beginning when I started. I was tying my fate to a national brand that had been in operation since 1974. It was the first hair franchise in the country. It was founded in Memphis, Tennessee by a man named Sam Ross. He wanted to create an affordable salon experience for the whole family. When I bought our salons, there were almost 1,200 units in operation around the country. Minnesota was the second largest market for the brand after California. There were over 90 salons in the state alone. So that's pretty solid brand awareness. I knew branding and this classic brand would be the foundation for my success in the hair industry. A lot of classic brands have, have uh, come back know, Paps Blue Ribbon is an example. You know, they, they had a, a real, real um, legacy that, that, that people were looking for today. Fantastic Sam's would be the same. 
I hired a wonderful lawyer I met through networking named Carol. She was with a firm based in Coon Rapids, Minnesota. They were priced much more reasonably than a a downtown Minneapolis or St. Paul firm. We were going through all the final closing negotiations when Lori and I went to explore the Boundary Waters. She'd always wanted to go to the Boundary Waters. So I rented a house in Ely, Minnesota. We took our kayaks, even though it was called the Boundary Waters Canoe Area. I liked my kayak. It was well-used 17-foot sit-inside that I had bought soon after I moved to Minnesota. Uh, While we were relaxing on the porch in the sun in Ely, my lawyer Carol was going through all the Fantastic Sam's contracts. Then she called me. I hope you never have a challenge with Fantastic Sam's because you have zero rights according to these, the way these contracts are structured. Maybe not an exact quote, but I remember the context clearly. Why didn't I listen? Truer words were never spoken. I, I lived my life with a high degree of optimism and trust when it came to dealing with people. I looked around and I saw so many successful Fantastic Sam's operators right around me. They had all signed these agreements. Why wouldn't I? Carol asked me again if I'd read everything I was going to sign. I said yes, of course, and I'd seen the power of the franchisor had in the equation, but like I said, others had done it and were successful. I can do it too. So she came around to my way of thinking. I decided to think about things for a while. Lori and I um, took our first trip into the actual Boundary Waters. Um, the Boundary Waters canoe area has a pristine 1,090,000 acre wilderness area in the Superior National Forest in the northeastern part of Minnesota. It extends about 150 miles along the Canadian border and is completely off limits to anything that has an engine. In 1949, President Harry Truman signed a bill prohibiting aircraft from flying under 4,000 feet over this protected area. It's beautiful and quiet, and the lack of lights in the area make the night sky beyond belief. It's stunning. We'd asked an outfitter in Ely where the best day trip might be for beginners looking to explore the area. They told us to try South Hegman Lake. I strapped the kayaks to the roof of the outback and we were off. Uh, The parking area was about a mile from the lake, a one-mile portage. The kayaks are much heavier than a canoe, so I first carried Lori's kayak to the water. Then I walked back the mile to the vehicle and brought mine down to the water. It was tiring but doable. Uh, We'd do the same thing again at the end of the day. But it was beautiful. Uh, We saw the famous Hegman pictographs. They're bright red pictographs uh, on a granite cliff near a bottleneck in the lake. The trip was well worth all that exercise. Um, This was our only journey into the Boundary Waters on that trip. We would go again with my son Elliot a year later. That time in a canoe. (laughs) We, We returned home and I went to sign all the contracts. I was now the proud owner of seven hair salons. I occasionally slipped into depression, depression because of Dan, you know, and, and just the way life had gone. I do you ever contemplate just ending everything? You know, I slipped into it occasionally. Life is hard. I don't think I ever could, but. You know, Dave Damashek, the comedian I referenced before, used to always say, the sweet release of death. Sometimes I thought that I should go in that direction, the sweet release. You know, Sometimes it just gets so difficult. I had no idea how difficult it could get. Life really can suck sometimes. Lori and I had several disagreements over very strange things. Well, let's just say she had disagreements with me that I didn't understand. 
Now, in retrospect, I, I can see how we evolved to the point we did. As an example, I always was slightly upset when we were walking the dogs if I said hi to another walker and they ignored me. I'd say to Lori that I didn't understand why, why won't they say hi? But that was her behavior too. She was very private and not outgoing at all. So she took offense at my comments. She was very bitter about things like that. To me, they were very minor, but I think she was cataloging incidents that she didn't want in her life. I mean, she was mad, really mad. I couldn't understand. I loved her and couldn't fathom how these interactions, how much these interactions affected her. It is important to mention that she's on the autism spectrum. In my opinion, pretty severe. She was almost emotionless at time, times, uh, like a Vulcan. Not a half-human Spock Vulcan, a Vulcan. I could probably write a whole book about Lori's world and her past, uh, her upbringing by an unpleasant, self-centered mother and her troubled relationships, her flight from New York City with her two dogs to escape an apparently horrible manage, marriage, sorry, to find sanctuary in Minneapolis where she had been schooled and then she taught at the university. Her crippling migraines ruined almost every weekend. And her her skin was very sensitive. Uh, her fingers, you know, like, like making a bed was difficult. Her fingers would hurt. She'd wear gloves if she had to do it herself, but you know, I, I made her bed frequently. It was a lot easier for me to do it. I loved her completely and without reserve. And my love language is giving. It always has been. I had some money, and she didn't really. Um, I, was, I wasn't I was rich, but I had enough to live comfortably. And I always believed in living today instead of waiting for tomorrow. Is it the best philosophy? Not for saving an old, for old age, it isn't. Uh, just look at me now. <laughs> but she'd bought a house in North Minneapolis with the help of her stepmother, Nancy. She purchased the home about the same time I bought my house in, in San Diego County. When she moved in, she told me there were a few things that needed to be fixed. The door locks were hard to use. The tub drained super slow. So I sent her $1,500 as a housewarming present so she could get the repairs done. When I moved in with her a year later, I quickly got started on the upgrades. Uh, first, it was a new washer and dryer. Then I you know, had a gas line run to the kitchen then we got a new gas stove. It was all stainless steel at her direction. Stainless steel is a great look. Um, I had to get her out of her dangerous vehicle. I put seventeen grand into a brand new Subaru Forester. When I drove her old vehicle, I always wondered how it could possibly handle Minnesota winters. Our neighbor got a new pit bull. Um, she had, I guess we had, uh, two small Havanese dogs. I bought a new six-foot vinyl fence and had it installed for about $7,500. The backyard was now a safe place for the pups. The upstairs windows were, were crappy. Um, got co quite cold up there in the winter. I had new Anderson windows installed for about twelve grand. I installed shelving in the basement. I bought a beautiful couch for the living room that she selected for about five grand. I installed a large screen TV on the wall of the living room. I bought a new dishwasher, all, you know, stainless steel as well. After a while, she decided that she wanted white appliances in the kitchen. She changed her mind. So I sold the stainless steel appliances for a big loss, and I bought white appliances to make her happy. If she was happy, I was happy. I still wonder if she'd fallen out of love with me at this point, was going through the motions. 
We got engaged before COVID. She wanted a very specific type of ring. At one point, we were going to have to fly to San Francisco or New York to find this ring. Um, she said that those were the only places that had you know the interesting designs. I didn't care. I loved her completely. We debated about where to have the wedding. You know, her mom was in Florida. My parents were in South Carolina. You know, maybe there. Uh, but then she changed her mind. We decided uh, we were going to get married in our hometown of Lewisburg, Pennsylvania, at the chapel at Bucknell University. So she found a jeweler. She happened upon a jeweler in St. Louis Park who represented a ring maker from San Francisco that she loved. Uh, we bought a ring for $17,800. It was beautiful. Even though we knew we were going to be married before my formal propose, proposal was made, I did propose at dinner one night. We'd gone, uh, we'd gone to see Jim Gaffigan, the comedian, on October 15th. Uh, before the show, we had dinner at the Union Rooftop Restaurant, you know, across the street from the State Theater where he'd be performing. While we were there, I gave her a framed picture of the two of us with the words, Will you marry me? across the image. We took pictures of the ring and announced it to the world on social media to make it official. I was so happy. As I said, I always wanted someone who wanted me, and I'd succeeded. I had thought she was over the moon for a while. Um, she did become concerned about my drinking. You know, she, she didn't drink at all. Um, we had a few discussions, and I realized that I needed to stop. She might be falling out of love with me. Um, maybe that was the real end, but this was still just 2019. So I quit drinking completely. I had no withdrawal problems. I just quit, and it felt... Great. I was a whole new person, seriously. But I now know that she never got over the past. I think she really disliked me, but didn't know what to do in retrospect. She told me that menopause had made her dislike sex, so we stopped having sex. We barely even kissed. We would hug at night before going to our separate rooms. I've been celibate for years now. Well, I guess that depends on when you're listening to this. So I'm going to stop this episode here. And, uh, you know, the next, next, uh, episode is going to take us into COVID and what that did to our business and, uh, a few other things. So thank you again for listening. And, uh, I can't wait to join you again.